Yeah, they're handy. They float. Welcome to Geeks Without God with Nick Glover, Tim Wick, and Molly Glover. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We don't recognize moral authority. We don't accept divine superiority. We're geeks, geeks without God. This week on Geeks Without God, our guest is returning friend of the show, Representative Mike Freiberg. He's here to talk with us about geocaching. Let's find some stuff. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. Hello and welcome to Geeks Without God. I'm your host, Nick Glover. I'm joined as always by my co-hosts, Tim Wick. Hello, I'm Tim Wick. And Molly Glover. I found it. It's me, Molly Glover. (laughs) And our uh, returning guest this week is Minnesota House of Representatives uh, uh, representative... (laughs) That seems so the redundant whole to say Minnesota that way. House of Representatives. Mike Freiberg. Hi, it's great to be back. Hey. I hope you're not getting I hope you're not getting sick of me. No. Never. No. Absolutely not. And uh, Mike, we're not gonna talk about uh, 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 legalization or local politics or even uh, vexillology. <laughs> we're gonna talk about a hobby of yours, geocaching. Yeah, um, I, this is an idea I just kind of threw out a while ago to see if you were interested, and I was kind of surprised when Molly's like, great, let's talk about it next week. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you must have been pretty low on topics, but uh, I'm always happy to preach the gospel of geocaching. We are perpetually low on topics. That is well, our secret. <laughs> but also, it's a, it's a niche hobby. It's a very geeky hobby. Yeah. Oh, you've no idea. And and I I feel like it's something that it's like like mechanical keyboards or something, right? Where it's like you have a bunch of people who dabble in it, and then you have like a core group of people who are super hardcore and invest a lot of their effort and money into some pretty amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that accurate? Yeah, no, definitely. I uh, so I've been geocaching since two thousand seven. My geocaching handle is Sparky Fry. I have uh, I found nearly fifteen thousand geocaches. What? Oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, that that sounds like a lot, but keep in mind that's good enough to be 65th in Minnesota. Jesus Christ. There's a guy who has over 100,000 in Minnesota. Um, Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's it's easier to find lots of them than you might think. So, well, I mean, it must be because I'm just sitting here going, I mean, if we go... You're out geocaching, finding like six, that's seven. That's like three a day. Yeah, that <laughs> sounds about right. The most so, I found in a day is 280. What? Holy shit! <laughs> All right, so I had no idea. I literally had this no is idea. Incredible. So wait, for people that maybe aren't familiar, yes. let's let's define geocaching. What what is this hobby? Okay, so it started in 2000 at a very specific moment in history. Um, basically, GPS technology used to only be available, the really accurate GPS technology used to only be available to the military. And at some point in early 2000, uh, they switched it, they flipped a switch that made it a very accurate G- uh, GPS technology available to civilians. And some guy in Oregon had an idea like, hey, I'm going to hide this container full of random stuff from my house in the woods. It's just a bucket. Um, here's He posted on some BBS, like, here's the GPS coordinates. Anyone who wants to can go grab something from this bucket. Yeah. Um, and then that eventually kind of morphed into geocaching. There's a website, just geocaching.com. It's spelled G-E-O-C-A-C-H-I-N-G, like you've cached or hidden something. Um, and uh, yeah, there's, I mean, it's... It, it's 
ever since it's been around, it's kind of occasionally there's like a news article about it or something, or the, somebody will discover it and decide to do a news story, and then people will forget about it, and then. But there's kind of this core group of people who've kind of stuck with it consistently. It's got a very small, devoted following, and there's there's probably close to two million of them all over the world. They're in pretty much every they're in every state. They're in lots of countries. It's more popular in some places than others. There's a lot in like Central and Eastern Europe. There's a lot in Japan. There's a lot in the U.S. and Canada. Um, but they're all over the place. They're it's basically just now it's a little container of some sort. It could be. They're ones in urban areas that are often just small magnetic things. The only thing they have to have in them is a log sheet that you sign to prove that you found it. You know, a traditional one's like an ammo can that you might find out sure. in, out in the woods. Um, and those will have trinkets in them oftentimes. If you have younger kids, they might enjoy that. My kids are 11 and 14. They've kind of outgrown it and are and get annoyed whenever I make them stop for <laughs> now, now, now it's dad's annoying hobby as yes. opposed to like the cool thing we do with dad because yes, they're teenagers. Exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. Kids. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So, so it's both urban and rural. I mean, I mean, it's and so really, it really is something that can happen anywhere. Did you find a geocache on your way over here? Uh, you- no, I was running a little late. Otherwise, uh. I would have. <laughs> I had a streak for a while where I found one for twelve hundred days in a row. So, so for over three years. Wow. And I, I know people who've done who are working on like ten-year streaks and. Um, you know, I, I managed to find one, you know, I was working on this streak around the time my son was born. Um, and one of my friends, some of my geocaching friends thought to hide one right by the hospital that uh, my son was, they knew my son was going to be born. Aww. So oh, nice. I was able to, I kept that streak going even the day my son was born. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. How do you find where they are? Like, what is the process to well, finding one? Sure. There are some apps out there um, and they're all there's basically one company called Groundspeak based out of Seattle that um, that runs the activity, um, and they have their website, geocaching.com. There's the main app, which is just called Geocaching, um, but then there are some, uh, some other apps that have some features that more hardcore geocachers like. So I use, I use one called Cashly that's available on iOS, mm-hmm. um, and there's one for an Android version of it too. Um, but pretty much you can just... For a beginner, I would suggest just downloading the, the original geocaching app from Groundspeak. And so they just kind of tell you that you're in your area? Yep. Yeah, you, you, you'll probably find there's some right near your house, you know, less than a quarter mile away. Um, it'll, you know, it used to be you had to pretty much use a handheld GPS, but yeah. now um, cell phone technology is advanced enough that you can just do it with the apps. That's mostly what I do these days. Is, is the only thing that gets logged to find them the GPS coordinates. Like, is that all you have to go off of? It can be. There's different types. Um, so there's like a traditional cache, which is just the, just gives you the coordinates. You go there and you find it. But then there are some where you have to solve a puzzle first. This is where the, some of the Ooh. real nerdiness comes in. Um, and I, I like to do those. I've solved like, I've so I said I found close to 15,000 of them. I'd say over 3,000 are puzzle caches oh, of some wow. sort. Um, so, and usually it's a, a GPS coordinates will have 14 digits, so it's just a puzzle with the solution that is uh, 14 numbers okay. long. Sure. Yeah. Huh. Is it... Okay, so I, I feel like if I was doing this hobby, I would be, like, devious. And not like... like for placing, not finding. Not, like, punishingly devious for placing them. But I think I would definitely have more fun placing them than, than finding them. And I think that I would kind of be a bastard about it a little bit. <laughs> oh, go but, figure. But like, 
I'm, I'm assuming like there's some general rules of thumb where it's like, hey, don't put your cash somewhere dangerous and some things like that. Or Yeah, they are required to be on public property okay. uh, most of the time unless you get specific permission from the property owner to hide it on private property. Or it's your property. Yeah, or it's your own property. That that can happen sometimes. Not every kind of public property allows it. Like most federal land won't allow it, but like city parks are very, and county Mm -hmm. parks are very Mm -hmm. popular location for them. You know, the urban ones might just often be off a sidewalk. And then they're all rated in terms of difficulty and terrain on a scale of one to five stars. So kind of what you're describing being a bastard, you might rate the difficulty of it as five stars. Um, there are some that are in difficult, more difficult places. They might have a higher terrain rating. You know, if it might be a five-star terrain if it's on the side of a cliff. I have found some that are kind of like that. Wow. Huh. Um, I, and I, you know, I'm I'm kind of a traditional nerd. I didn't really do anything outdoorsy at all until I started this hobby. And I heard about, I heard about it in 2007 from another friend of mine who's kind of a nerd. And then before I knew it, I was buying like hip waders. And <laughs> random implements to pull things out, you know, that are hidden 20 feet up trees. Yeah. Sure. You know, and, you know, spe- specialty bug spray to avoid ticks and stuff like that. I, I was telling Molly about, uh, I, like, I saw 3D designs for ones for, like, the tops of stop signs and stuff, right? So you can set it in that, t- something in that tube, but it has a brim so like it won't, a stop sign pole. So it won't fall down into the into the tube of the stop sign. It'll just kind of rest on top. I sh- I told Molly this on a dog walk, and I reached up and t- touched the top of a of stop sign, and Molly was like, "That's too that's too tall. Like that's too high." I was going to say you're a lot taller than me. Yeah, so no you, kidding. Think of the think of the short people. When yeah, you're things like we that. don't have step ladders with us all the time. Just uh, in the lot, kitchen. A lot of geocachers do carry. Oh, those I sure. I would think in their oh. car. <laughs> yeah. Are there are there are there geocaching like conventions? Where where geocachers all get together and and like have have dealers rooms where they can they can buy step special geocaching oh. step ladders and and hip waders and, <laughs> and, and buck spray and stuff. Yeah, there are event caches they're called, and you can log them like a normal geo. So when you find if you find a physical geocache, there's a log sheet you sign it that you proved to found it. It's, yeah. You know, sometimes the cache owner will check the log to make sure everyone actually found it. Um, but then um, you can also log it online, and it, if you do that, it'll keep their websites that keep track of hmm. how many you found, where you found them all. Uh, but then some of them are like event caches, they're called, and you log them online that you attended them. Um, and some of them are called mega events if they have like hundreds of people, and some of those do get pretty close to convention type activities, wow. and, and there will huh. be people selling stuff at them. Um, so there's a big one in like West West Bend, Wisconsin, every year, a mega event that I've gone to. There are a couple things around the geocaching headquarters in Seattle every year. Um, so they're usually they're not formal like convergence or something where a hotel gets rented out. But they might just be out in a park or something, but they can have hundreds of people at them. It's a you know, it's a geeky. If 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 there's a convention of any type, it definitely qualifies. Yeah. As, as a geeky hobby. I uh, It's funny. I remember when you got in, because we've been friends a long time. So I remember when you started getting into it and started talking about it. Uh, and, and you know, it's just, I guess I've never updated in my brain what it entails. I always just pictured like a handheld GPS, like you had to have specialized equipment. It makes perfect sense that now you can just use your phone. I don't know why in my brain one still had to have like a metal detector and like a handheld GPS and all this stuff. But, you know, it, it, it's crazy that it's, I mean, when, how long has the app been around? Do you know like about when did they 
start having you know the prevalence of it being on mobile as a mobile yeah. smartphones Prob- yeah probably around 2010 yeah or the, pretty know, quickly after when iphones came out like i remember the first time like i had always just used a handheld gps for my first few years of geocaching and yeah. i remember the first time i was with somebody who was using their phone and you know and they had like the satellite view there yeah. and it just you know the 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 geocache pinpoint on there and like that arrow going to it and we're walking right to it. I'm like, Oh my God, this is incredible. Like, <laughs> yeah. Game changer. It so easy almost. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Are there people who think that that makes it too easy? Like, are there, are there like geocaching hardline purists who think that you shouldn't be allowed to use phones? Yeah. There's a, there's one guy I've met who um, won't even use a GPS. He'll like <gasps> look at the area on a map on Google maps on his computer yeah. and then just go there and walk around and oh, try that's, to find I, it. That's why I kind of love that. I mean, like if it's long, as it's someone that's not like looking down on other people for doing it their other way there's something that appeals to me as like an ex-boy scout where i'm like that's straight up orienteering shit where someone's like here's your elevation map it's somewhere in this area go find it like bow hunting yeah it's like it's like any activity (laughs) yeah you can do it kind of your own way i mean and like any activity sometimes there are people who will try to gatekeep it but Mm -hmm. of course for the most for the most part, people are pretty cool and just do it kind of their own way. I mean, some of the people who get really into kind of the numbers of it will like have a team of people and go out and find them. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I, like esports. Yeah, I, I prefer to just do it. You know, at least be there and see the geocache before I log it myself. Yeah, um, but uh, you know, every I don't really care if people do it a different way than I do. Is there like a Minnesota chapter that you can be a part of, or, or there are there? Does each do states have their own little clubs kind of a thing? As far as I know, most states do. There's definitely a Minnesota Geocaching Association. Once nice. once this podcast gets posted, I'll probably uh, link to it on there. It's an interesting yeah. activity because it attracts kind of a, well, I won't say totally diverse group of people. <laughs> um, it, it does tend to skew pretty white. I mean, and actually, that's one thing I could talk about if you're interested. Yeah, please. Kind of a well. Uh, just to finish the first thought, though. Um, although I've, to- I've probably already lost my train of thought somewhat. Um, the clubs, the local chapters. Yeah, the yeah the Minnesota. It it, it it does attract. I mean, some people who are like probably more conservative and into hunting and outdoor activities like sure, that. Sure, yeah. Sure. But then there are some people who are just total you know computer geeks um, and like the the tech aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Who who may or may not be political, and if they are, might be either way about it. So it's it's been an interesting group of people that I've met this way. Some people I probably may not have met much otherwise. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, if you're out in the woods, you know, just looking for something, sometimes, I, you know, I've been out at night trying to find things after dark. Um, so there have been a couple occasions where people have called the police. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, just because they see some, you know, random dude out in the woods. The, yeah. The, the, the Kind of the funniest time that happened was right after my son was born. There's kind of a game within it to try to be the first to find a geocache. Sure. And like my son was like two weeks old and I just brought him in his car seat and we went into the woods, found it. I come out and there's like three Eden Prairie police officers <laughs> descended on there. And they said, uh, we just got a call that somebody went into the woods with a baby. I'm like, yeah, that's probably me. He's right here. He's fine. I was just geocaching. <laughs> he likes it. <laughs> um, and they're like, and one, of the, one of the police officers had heard of it, and yeah. fortunately, and it's like, oh, okay, that's cool. So, But you're but, white. But yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There is a guy, I think based out of Texas, an African-American guy who runs a blog called Geocaching Wild Black. Oh yeah, um, that... and just talks about some of the experiences he has doing it. So I, it's a, it's one of those things that I think a, a lot of white folks kind of take for granted. Where it's like, oh, yeah. 
of course I can just traipse around the wilderness and look for things and poke around and be curious about things and shine my flashlight wherever while looking in my phone. And like other people who don't have that same privilege are like maybe a little bit wary. Yeah, we saw that, <laughs> that with, with Pokemon Go and oh, uh, and with um, the, the the first Niantic one. Uh, oh, the portals. I know. Uh, uh, what was that one called? Uh, Oh, we all played it. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah. Someone, someone listening is screaming it at the at the <laughs> at their headphones. But ingress, ingress, ingress. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And that was another thing I remember at the time. Uh, people being like, "Well, it must be nice to be white and get to play Pokemon Go." And it was like, <laughs> right, "Oh, right. So, yeah, bad. Sorry about so, that." <laughs> I think what we're learning is if anybody out there is uh, thinking about being a serial killer and hiding bodies, just remember to say. You were geocaching. Yeah. Oh. Or yeah, just put a geocache on the body. No, <laughs> then you're, you're daring someone to find it. Although that might be what you're then into. All they're, all they're going to do is sign that they found it. Dear Mr. Police, <laughs> so here's what, my geocache. When I was kind of flipping through like 3D designs and stuff for, for geocaching prints, some of the things I noted were... Like you were saying, there's kind of a race to be first, and and there are a whole bunch of 3D designs for, like coins or medallions that are like, you know, first to find or or things like that, where it's a trinket you put in your geocache that is specifically for the person who found it first, as like a good job you beat everyone else to the punch. But then I I also saw a bunch of people making designs that are like, this is a logbook holder because. I find that when my log books are outdoors, they tend to curl in the humidity. And so this keeps them nice and rigid and things like that, where it's like these people are designing things to combat the elements because whatever it is you're leaving out there, it has to contend with, at least in Minnesota, freezing cold and extreme heat and a hell of a lot of humidity for most of the year. And, you know, UV breaking down everything it touches. So, like, there's all these design challenges to whatever people are hiding. Um, Have you seen a lot of, like, really neat ingenuity in that regard for for how people are hiding or what people are hiding? Oh, yeah. Um, There's a guy um, who lives about an hour northwest of Grand Forks, tiny town called Gilby, North Dakota, um, and it's become known as the Disneyland of geocaching because oh. this one guy, they're called, uh, the general term for them is gadget caches. Love okay. it. <laughs> and um, I was up there. I didn't have a whole ton of time, so I wasn't able to find all of them. But I remember there was, a, you know, one you had to like plug. He had a bunch of power outlets and a plug and you had to like find the right, you had to find the right ones to plug it in before the thing would open. Oh, yeah. And there's another one that was like one of those claw machines. This one was in his front yard and you had to, <laughs> you had to get the claw to pull a container that had the log sheet in it and have it drop so you could sign it before you could log it. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Did you have to pay a quarter every time? <laughs> uh, no, no, I don't think they would have allowed it, that. It sounds Ooh. like the, the opposite of an escape room kind of, right? Where you're like... Instead of trying to get out of a place, you're trying to get into an objective. You're trying to, like, get a thing. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Uh, did you... So, out of curiosity, uh, I'm, do you know people who looked for uh, that author, Forrest Fenn, who buried that... So, he buried, like, a treasure chest full of gold and gems, 
or like not buried, but hid it out in the, in the, he was just out in the woods and he had a poem that led people to it. And some guy found it in like 2020. Uh, did you know anybody doing like treasure hunting in addition to geocaching or anything? Do people like, do you look for the medallion for the winter carnival, things like that? Yeah, that's the one I was going to mention. I haven't done that a ton, but, um, I do know people who've done that. I don't know the one you're mentioning by the author, but yeah, but yeah the, certainly there's some overlap with the medallion hunt, and I know plenty of geocachers who spend some time trying to solve that and find that also. Neat. We, uh, for people that don't live in the area, uh, every year it's St. Paul, right? St. Paul. St. Paul Saint Winter Paul, Carnival. As a part of their winter carnival, they hide a medallion somewhere, and they give... A hint, and as time passes, they give more and more hints to get more and more specific about where this medallion's been hidden, and it's been, it like, you know, hidden in the heel of a boot or like glued to the top of a White Castle carton. <laughs> we were in a looking park. this up before the podcast. We did, and, <laughs> and so and if you it's find the like medallion, you 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 win, you know, like Money. five thousand dollars or whatever. But it's not like you get coordinates. It's more of like a, a distributed scavenger hunt. It's clue kind of based. A, yeah, it's clue based. Yeah, and a fair amount of geocaches are like that too. Some of the puzzle caches, they might, you know, they might be uh, a traditional. I don't know if you've heard of letterboxing, but there's some geocaches that are kind of an overlap with that. And yeah, those th- that's a related activity where people. You know, uh, there's a website for it. I think it's letterboxing.org, and it'll say, like, you know, go to the big oak tree, take a right, walk 100 paces into the woods, take a left at the at the large boulder and find your treasure there or Neat. something. There's some geocaches like that. You know, so a lot of the ones are the, that I mentioned are puzzles where you have to solve to get the coordinates. And, you know, it could involve, like, a random string of numbers. Then it turns out they're in, like, base 11, and you need oh, to, geez. you know, do some sort of math to oh, figure wow. it out. I actually, I actually kind of like those, that type of them, and yeah. I've hidden some like that myself. Um, but, yeah, there's there's a lot of diff, a, a lot of puzzle caches yeah, to the, into that. Into that. Uh, the author, Forrest Fenn, so he wrote a poem. He hid, uh, he hid a... 40-pound Romanesque treasure box filled with gold coins and gems. Uh, And all he would tell people, I'm just going to read this, is that it was hidden in the Rocky Mountains, somewhere between Santa Fe and the Canadian border at an elevation above 5,000 feet. It's not in a mine, in a graveyard, or near a structure. And it was hidden for 10 years before someone found it. Four people died looking for it. (laughs) Like, it is, it was like a, it was like a, like it was very controversial. I remember hearing about it a lot because people were like, the government should make him say where it is, or he should just have to like go get it. And like, you know, but, and eventually someone found it. It's just, it's just so neat. (laughs) Has there been any backlash to geocaching where someone's like, this hobby is dangerous. And my son twisted his ankle trying to look for these trinkets. Uh, I, well, I mean, I think there might've been a, you know, a death by heart attack. I think there, I remember one time I read about, Somebody calling the bomb squad, oh, um, mm-hmm. because they thought they found like the con- a, a container and a light post or something and blew it up. Um, <laughs> uh, My logbook. <laughs> yeah. So and, you know, and I mentioned the the police encounters I've had. Yep, I can't yep. think yeah. of any major. I can't think of any major backlash. I mean, geocachers as a whole generally try to um, abide by certain rules. Like you know, you can't. When they have volunteer reviewers who won't publish a new geocache unless it meets various guidelines. Like oh. it has to be, like I said, it can't be in private property unless mm-hmm. you get permission. Uh-huh. It, they don't allow you to hide things underground, so like no digging um, okay. to disturb the earth. They they host activities. Some of the event caches 
that I mentioned are called cash in, trash out. So they'll have people come in and pick up trash, and then you can log it. Oh, like that's a, great. Like a find. Um, so, I, like I that. mean, I think there's awareness among geocachers generally about, like, not everyone understands this hobby, and we want to, you know, we want there to be acceptance of it. So, generally, I think... I don't know of too much backlash against yeah. it. Yeah, I'm like we're, super excited to go look for geocaches. Now. I, I, mean, I honestly like. We, I, I just quickly looked at geocaching.com uh, while we were while we were talking, and there uh, it said like eight thousand two hundred and some odd geocaches in the city of Minneapolis. We live right by the Minnehaha Creek oh my and the, gosh. the parkway, and, and there's got to be that's that's some shit ton of public a land treasure, going on there. Treasure treasure trove. Yeah, that's um, exciting. So, uh, Mike, what is your <laughs> What is your most proud, like, what's your crown jewel geocache? What's the one where you're like, that was either the most fun or the one that you're most proud of finding? Um, there was one I was visiting um, that uh, Tim is looking at my map right now. It, 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 all, those, all those are. Yeah, there's going to be a lot more. I tried because this is filtering out the ones I've found already, and I, oh. I know I've found a bunch around oh, here. Okay. Um, oh, so there yeah, should look be at a that. lot of smiling look at those faces. Those dots popping up. Um, That's uh, awesome. Yeah, so I, f I remember I was visiting some friends who have a cabin in uh, a few hours north of Toronto, and there was this new one that had been published and had been out there for like a week. And nobody found it, which is a really long time in yeah. geocaching things for nobody to find. Um, and it was up on this cliff that was only accessible by boat. And so I'm like, hey, could we use your boat and go look for that? And um, sure, that was my, that's my only international first to find. And you were the first? <laughs> yep, I was the first to find that that's one. Oh my up, God, up a that's... cliff in Ontario. So that's you, amazing. You had to so cool. boat out to, to a cliff and then climb to get it off the cliff. Yeah, there were some old rickety stairs to get up there. So, I mean, it wasn't like... It wasn't like it didn't require like um, you know cliff climb like sure, you know, sure. rock climbing equipment it, or anything like that. It, 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 people had been there at some point and and left their mark beyond just hiding a cache. So yeah. if if you're first, do you just log it or do you log it and write "suck it, bitches" or something <laughs> like that to be be like give give your little. If well, if you're first, there's uh, it's there's kind of a cur as a courtesy like. Sometimes I'll write a longer log just to explain it, especially if it's one I got first. But, like, if you're there to find it first, I'll, usually as a courtesy, I'll write, like, FTF more later. FTF stands for first to find. Yeah, yeah. And then just put it online so anybody else who's, like, running to their car to try to get there first, like, knows, okay, the first is already gone. I can just go get it tomorrow. Because there's prestige that comes with being first. So you don't want to waste someone else's time if what they're really trying to do is be first. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's courteous. So you keep saying uh, you write in the logbook. Is this like a physical, is it pen and paper? Is it so you have to have a pen with you? Is it like a little piece of paper that's in there? Is it is it like a booklet, you know? Yeah, some of the small like urban magnetic ones just have like a rolled up piece of paper in them and you'll need to bring your own pen or pencil with you to sign your name on mm -hmm. it. Um, but then usually some of the bigger ones that are out in the woods will have like a have a writing utensil in there and a logbook. So does the person who placed it have to go and replace the logbook or, or add to the logbook? I mean, if, if thousands of people have found the same one after a while, you'd think there wouldn't be space for all the yeah. The yeah, sometimes or sometimes people actually I don't mind if people do it. They'll like say the logbook was full, so I or the log sheet was full, so I just replaced it. I'm always 
happy when people do that because yeah. that spares me some work as a yeah, cash yeah. owner. So yeah. other people are, you know, like to do it themselves and are neat. more diligent about it. But that's so neat. It's just such an interesting thing that it's analog. Mm-hmm. You know that it isn't some kind of, but also you know, digital. Well, but you know, yeah, like you, I wasn't sure if it was like, oh, there's a piece of paper in there that tells you to go to a website, and everyone hosts. You know, there's like a place you host your logbook or something for that. That it is actually physical is very neat. Yeah, I mean, you do usually. At least I want to log it both the physical one, but then also log it online so it keeps track of how much. And usually now I just um, I'll like do a voice memo on my phone and just say like you know found this after searching for about 10 minutes uh you know it was great camouflage on this one thanks for the hide you know just yeah yeah something so, like that online so you say more than just your name when you're signing it's like a guest book almost the, like the physical logbook i usually just sign my name and the date but then when i log it online i'll usually write a little more detail so is that like the, is that where you're, when you're talking about like geocaching.com where everything is like logged and registered yep. that's where you can go and really that's yep. and so if you're, cool if you're having trouble finding it sometimes it's helpful to read earlier logs and they'll say like mm. oh it was 30 feet west of where i thought it was and oh you can sure go over there and, so i suppose it's probably gauche to put in there exactly where it is yeah yeah i wouldn't yeah i wouldn't write in the log like oh i found this in the you know in the crook of the tree um three branches up (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. hidden in the pine tree with the big hole there is there is a big culture though of people call if they have too much trouble finding it they you know i might get a call from somebody saying like hey you found this one last week can you just tell me that is is." so cool Like is it phone a friend or, or that, like that's exactly yeah. what it's called P- is it paf yeah, yes. that's great yeah. or like uh the person that hid this is kind of an asshole because like, <laughs> this isn't an accurate description of where it is or or something like that do you get like hashtag like, nick geocache i'm, I'm yeah. more i'm thinking more like yelp reviews where it's like i rate this cache zero stars because <laughs> this person hid this in a dick way uh you, there are some people who are a little more blunt when they log it that way. Um, I try g- generally to uh, highlight the positive. Yeah, um, yeah. I think most people tend to do that and don't want to, even if it isn't what you know. If it's no need sometimes to you'll find, you know, sometimes you'll find one like, you know, behind a dumpster in the back of a Burger King, you know, in some random part of town, or yeah. you know, there there are some that aren't in very glamorous locations, <laughs> um, and that it's kind of un- can almost be unpleasant to search for them, and people look at. Like, what the hell is that person doing back there looking for something? <laughs> um, but you know, that guy took a baby behind the dumpster. I'm calling the cops. Yeah. <laughs> Geocaching with some heroin. Yeah, that's awesome. I think what it what I like about it is it uh, it. So I really like I really like finding hidden things. Uh, when I was a kid, my mom did a lot of. Uh, uh, so when the Easter Bunny came to our house, he made jelly bean trails from our door to the room that our basket was hidden in. And then the basket was hidden somewhere in the room and usually like a crazy plague. One time, uh, uh, my sister's basket was up twice as tall as she was because she was six. And it was like way up tall. So we could all see it. And she mm-hmm. just was just been like, mm-hmm. where is it? We're like, you're right under it. How can I be under it? You know, and like, I just, yeah, I, I think, I don't know, hide and seek, finding things is something that I've always really in, been interested in. This about, is very exciting. About eight years ago, uh, no, more about like 10 years ago, uh, my family went on vacation and, and a friend was watching the house and it was around the holidays and he hid candy canes all over our oh, house. Oh, nice. Like 30 of them and more than 30. It was it, uh, he, he had so many candy canes. The reason I bring this up is because last week we found the last one. <laughs> no. I was going to say, I bet, I bet they went months. That's amazing. That was, yeah. uh, a friend of mine uh, uh, years ago 
is she's not a very big fan of Julia Roberts specifically for some reason. So uh, I had uh, I talked her roommate into letting me into their dorm room. Uh, another friend of ours and I had photocopied a collage of pictures of Julia Roberts about forty pages and cut out individual <laughs> pictures from the collage to make it forty times you know twenty or whatever. And we hid pictures of Julia Roberts in everything she fucking owned. We took like 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 in her clothes, like in her yeah, school like, books. like in the pockets of clothes, or like taped on a hanger. But then there's a jacket over the hanger in pages of books. Like she had a copy of Infinite Jest that I think we hid like four or five different ones in, and then like. Eight years after this happened, I got a message one day that was like, fuck you. I just found another picture of Julia Roberts. So, like, there's something about the the inner prankster in me that this geocaching yeah. really appeals to. Finding them sounds just fine. Hiding them sounds like absolutely something I'm into. You hide them, I'll find them. <laughs> that sounds sounds like a plan. Well, it wouldn't be an activity without the people who hide it. So it's, exactly. Yeah. It's, there are some, You're important. There, there are people who are definitely more into the hiding aspect aspect than the finding aspect so uh yeah I, I would it would you would be a great addition to the twin cities geocaching community that's uh, i'm gonna just say right now the people that hide them are are tops and the people that find them are bottoms <laughs> wow wow wow, wow. Uh, Rude. Uh, and, and it's a generalization and it's not always true but all right <clears throat> With that de- bold declaration. And we've learned something else about Nick and Molly's relationship. Oh, learned. Learned. If you learned that, you haven't been... Anyway. Um, my... Watching through the windows. <laughs> Listening to words? I don't know. Uh, Mike, you have five questions for us. Get out of town. Is that right? Yeah, I've already done this. So, well, at first I've answered your five yeah. questions. Yep. Then I came up with five questions yep. of my own. So this time I decided to ask some other people just to give me some. Oh, cool. Yeah. Some to ask you. Outsource it. That's yeah. literally what this bit is for us. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you guys haven't seen these yet. So this is very, very exciting. exciting. Let's I love answering them. questions on the cuff. Okay. Yeah. Off the cuff. Okay. So first one is from my sister, um, who I think you may have met. Um, yeah. She plays the bagpipes. Yeah. Oh, she yeah. uh, asks, do you think they will replace Jonathan Majors as Kang or move on to another villain? He has, mm. as of today, he is fired from Marvel. But she's asking, will they replace him or will they just I'm not just, do Kang? I'm giving people context. Okay, okay. He was, he was found guilty of, of misdemeanor assault and uh, some other misdemeanor harassment. harassment. Uh, and so Marvel's not going to continue with him. I think... Unfortunately, because they showed us like the the big gallery of Kangs, the court of Kangs, and they all looked like him. I don't know if they're going to recast him and keep doing Kang. I feel like they might try to jump forward to something else like Dr. Doom. And I think that sucks. I love Dr. Doom. He's literally my favorite comic character. I don't want it rushed. I think they're going to recast him. I, yeah. th- I think they might recast him with the actor who plays uh, Door in Alan Wake 2. I think they're going to recast oh. him with an actor who looks similar to him, to Jonathan Majors, but not the sure. same. Uh, similarly to what they did with uh, Rhodey when they recast sure. James Rhodes. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. You know, and so I think I think that's what they're going to do. I don't see why they would give up on Kang. They, I mean, he's so key to their plans at this point. It's what pretty a, obvious. What a... What a I hate to think of a thing like that and think like, ah, oh, what a waste because like someone was negatively affected. Horrible things happened there. It sounds like a really bad everyone's the asshole situation. I don't want to reduce it 
someone's pain and suffering to eh, my nerd movie is affected yeah, yeah. but like also i feel like what a waste because he's so tremendous as the kang character. and like i'm kind of mad at him for fucking that up for us i i am gonna agree with molly i think they will recast i think they've they've put enough work into uh where they are with kang that they're not just gonna depart get rid of it and move on but we'll see okay thank you uh, another one from my sister. Which overplayed Christmas song makes your ears bleed the most? <sighs> Little drummer boy. Fuck that song. It's such a bad song. I hate it so bad. I hate it, hate it, hate it. I don't... What's the other one that you hear a lot that's more pop? Oh, all I want for Christmas is you. I don't care for that song at all. Boy. I know it's popular, but... I hate Silent Night. <laughs> oh, Silent Night's pretty bad. It's so droning, oh. and it's so long, and it's so religious, and it's just, <laughs> it it's like, yeah, yeah, I can't do it. It's Drummer Boy. It's still Drummer it's Boy so, for me. I, I, I tried so to pick bad. something else, but it's, it's so, so it's still bad. Drummer see, Band. I can, yeah, but see, like, I can, I can handle some, like, for example, the David Bowie Drummer Boy, like, uh, mm. the, the duet is With decent. With Bing Crosby. Yep, yep. So there's some, so like, it, that, but I feel like there's no version of Silent Night that doesn't make me want to turn it off immediately. Mm. So I feel kind of that way about Holly Jolly Christmas. Oh, oh. yeah. It's oh, so, yeah. It's, it's kind of the definition of insipid. Have yeah. Holly Jolly it's, it's, Christmas. It's, playing, it's always playing over scenes of shopping and, and in movies. Or like for a sure. party. Yep. Like a, yep. I always think like the silhouettes in Home Alone, right? Yeah. I feel like Holly yep. Jolly Christmas is one of the songs that play. Okay. Thank you. So the next question is actually from me, and it's which Christmas song do you like the most? Oh. Ooh. Uh, baby, please come home. Uh, the one that's like, there's lights on the tree, Christmas, the snow's coming down. That one, I like that one a lot. The Christmas song by Nat King Cole, chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Okay, okay. Yeah. So like, we've discussed this years ago in the past. And As opposed I, to years ago in the future. Well, I, I, I really have a distaste for... Nick is a Grinch. When it comes to Christmas music specifically, Nick is I, a Grinch. I really just dislike all Christmas music pretty pretty aggressively. And so you're asking, you're like, which pile of shit tastes worse? Um, uh, no, better. which tastes better? Better, Nick. better. Which pile yeah. Of shit well, I mean, is there, a diff- is there how much of best. a difference is there? Um, I think, uh, um, shit. I don't Sing know. Sing a few bars. Do you like Duck uh, the Halls? No, I don't. What it's if it's a, sung to the tune of War Pigs? Uh, uh, mm, uh, rocking the around the Christmas tree. What's that Holly. one? Uh, rocking around the Christmas tree. Yeah. Is that Have the one? Happy that's the one you just said is yep. terrible, right? No, no, no. That's Holly that's Jolly Christmas. Holly they yeah, sound the same. That one's fine. Yeah, that rocking fine. around the sure, Christmas right. tree. Yeah, it's all right, sure, I guess. Right. That's the one. By the, the way, sand- another worst that I didn't mention before is simply having a wonderful Christmas time. That's also a shit song. <laughs> the, the, I actually kind of like uh, I, Silent Night. I hate oh, to say it. really? The melody is really pretty. There's also a version uh, by a Russian composer uh, Alfred Schnitke that's totally dissonant. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, uh, for I violin listen- only. Like my, sometimes I make my kids listen to it and they just hate it. That sounds okay. I'll give that a listen. I'll listen it's to like a dissonant version. Christmas music that doubles as a psyop. Like it's the, it's the words more than the tune. It's, it's just. Interesting, uh, holy fact. infant, tender and mild. I can't do mm. it. An interesting fact that I that I learned as uh, we've learned songs for the Dregs holiday shows uh, is most of the most of the like super pretty and slow Christmas songs used to be like pub songs. Oh sure. So they yeah. were actually much more up tempo. Yeah, uh, that and, makes sense. And not dirges. 
Okay. All right. All right, question four. This one's from my dad, who uh, just by way of background is an atheist. He says, how do you deal with Christmas without being an asshole? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I focus on, I mean, frankly, the pagan and, and Roman traditions of Saturnalia and Yule and just try to uh, just not, I just if people are religious about it, most of those people aren't in my life. So luckily, I don't have to deal with it too much. But if someone is like, he, you know, Merry Christmas, he's born. I'm not going to be like, no, he's not. And just kind of like, okay, <laughs> you know, like it's good to hurry for that. My, my uh, sister-in-law's family. Uh, has a has a birthday cake for Jesus every year, uh, <laughs> non ironically, and uh, and they is sing it, Happy Birthday to is Jesus. It a good cake at least. Is it I think tasty? it's a sheet cake. I think it's just a sheet cake. But my brother's birthday is is uh, uh, two days after Christmas Day. So one year it was Happy Birthday to Jesus and Kevin. <laughs> and, uh, that's just a great song that I need to sing always to him now. <laughs> I, I think all three of us are pretty lucky that we have. None of us really has anyone in our life that's important to us that is like af- offended by us being atheist yeah. or non non believers, or that is such a strong believer that it would it would make that kind of celebration awkward, right? Even in our our yeah. our personal lives with the the people that we get gather with on the holidays. So we're we're all three of us are very lucky for that. So this is probably a little bit easier for the three of us to answer than for some folks where it's a probably a very difficult question. Um, but I, I think that, you know, more angry atheist phase for me, it, it might've been a little bit more insufferable about it, but now it's very easy for me as an uh, adult with autonomy who can decline certain family events without drama yeah. to just opt out of places that are, and, and, and events that are more religious and mm-hmm. just only choose to participate in the parts that are more secular. Yeah. I'm not going to go to midnight mass with you. Just right. it, it's not going to happen. Right. Um, but I'm not going to be a douche about it. I'm just going to say, no, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to spend my time that way. Thank you for the invitation. Um, and I think you can, to me, it's, it's more about accepting there are all sorts of different traditions. It's, I, I did a delivery to, uh, to, uh, a family this weekend that I know the guy used to work for the same company that I work for. And uh, he's super conservative. So normally this time of year, I just say happy holidays for this mm-hmm. family. I said, Merry Christmas. You know why? Cause why not? I know that's really what they wanted me to say. Mm-hmm. And what's the difference? It didn't hurt me yeah. to do it. Um, so to me, it's kind of like, I don't need to be the person that, that, sticks my atheism in somebody's face as long as they don't stick their Christianity in mine. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't matter to you, it also doesn't matter enough for you to like make a point of it and like score some points for atheism right. or whatever. Right. Like it doesn't matter to you. It's not your thing. Therefore it's easy for you to just say Merry Christmas to a guy because you're not going to be a dick about it and it doesn't matter to you. Right, and it it makes him feel good, right? It makes mm-hmm. it it's, yeah. it's celebrating what's important to him. So right. great, fine. Yeah, I'll say happy Hanukkah to my Jewish friends. Whatever. Yeah, it's not my bag. Counterpoint: If someone says happy Easter to me, I like to go, "Oh, is it Easter?" Especially if you're surrounded by like bunny decorations and eggs and stuff. Just well, like, that, that's oh, just is it fun. Easter? That's <laughs> just fun. The only reason I ever know it's Easter is because of Minicon. That's it. I think it's always a surprise. Awesome. What do you think? 
Uh, I, I agree with what you said. I mean, I, yeah, I don't see any harm in, you know, if somebody says ha- Merry Christmas to me, I don't take it personally or anything. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just kind of roll with it. And, I mean, you know, we celebrate secular Christmas at my house. Yes, yeah, and We did growing up, too, so um, I don't have any... I don't have any problem with it. Yeah, Christmas was always secular without, for Without us. Christmas, I would not have my Star Wars Lego al- advent calendar every year. <laughs> and so uh, for that, I celebrate it. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> Christmas is a, is, a net, is a net plus for Happy society birthday, because of Jesus. Legos. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then the last question is another one of mine. It's hot off the presses. I don't know if it re- requires any context Ooh. for your listeners, but uh, what do you think of the new Minnesota flag? Ooh, so oh, we have a new yeah. state flag. Yeah, it was just uh, approved today. It's been. I think we talked about it briefly last time you were on when we were talking about all the, the, the things that the that the Democrats have, have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, yeah, so the new flag, I like it. Uh, I, I miss the green stripe, not going to lie, but uh, or the, the green and white and blue stripes, but I like the new flag. I think it looks really pretty, especially the renders I've seen of it waving. I, I liked the three colored stripe version of what they finished at the end better like molly's saying however however what won me over mm-hmm. the most for the for this final version is something that molly shared from a friend of hers that is uh, a captain america done in the style of the new uh minnesota flag and, and it's instantly recognizable and when i saw that it was like oh yeah that's the new minnesota flag and that's captain minnesota and i it's like yep. like perfectly <laughs> articulated in a picture without much need to think about it. And with that picture from this nerd, I was like, yeah, I'm sold. Because if there had been stripes on that, it wouldn't have been as powerful. It wouldn't yeah. have worked yeah. as well. Yeah. I, I liked I liked the three color stripes, but I, I think the, the final design is striking. It does what a flag should do. And I think that, that the primary critiques I've seen of it don't understand the primary purpose of a flag. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, flags are supposed to be simple. They're supposed to be something kids can draw. Mm -hmm. Um, The vexillologists will say it should have three or fewer colors. So, you know, full disclosure, I was chief author of the bill to change the flag, and I was a member of the commission, a non-voting member of the commission, so I didn't get to vote on it. Don't say we don't bring you celebrities on this podcast. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Um, But, yeah, I was a little surprised they decided to do away with the the three different colored stripes but um, another thing they brought the point they raised is if you fly it vertically um, it's symmetrical this mm, way too mm-hmm. and it also kind of the way the point goes towards the star almost looks like the Mississippi River heading towards oh. the North Star or the shape of the state that yep. that K shape of our state uh, I also saw uh, someone say that the eight pointed star has more significance in more cultures than a six pointed star so that's a reason to go with eight points correct and uh, uh, I think Fred, Fred Bukema yeah Fred Bukema said our flag is now the only flag in the in world, the world that has a reverse chevron Yes. So that's also so very boom. cool. Yeah, I Take changed that, my the rest of the world. I changed my Twitter handle to fan of reverse chevrons. <laughs> that's great. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Big fans here. I don't know. I, I'll fly yeah. it. I'll fly that flag. Absolutely. I, not only am I a fan, but also I feel like the people who are the most vocal detractors are clearly fucking assholes. <laughs> and not because they're detractors. Just the people that are being most vocal about the change in a negative way are people that are like, if you look at their other Twitter posts, you're like, oh, you're a piece of shit. Like, 
Yeah, like they're posting things like, how many genders does the flag have and things like that. You're like, oh, I see. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not my flag. Enjoy your gay Somalian toothpaste flag. People are jerks. Fucking assholes. You know, dental hygiene is important, and I feel like that is something that Minnesota should stand on. I mean, you know. I, we clearly do. Yeah, but not anymore. We got rid of it. <laughs> we got the bright, the bright white of the teeth is the star. The healthy blue of the gums. Is the blue. Yeah. Anyway, that's, I mean, anyway, that's right. good, good, right. good. Not voting work, Mike. Yeah, those thanks. are great questions. Thank you so much, Mike and Mike's family. Um, uh, and thank you for being our guest to come on to talk about a, a new hobby. Uh, we we, we want to know, do we have listeners that are geocaching? What's the most exciting cache you found? How like, many? How many have you found? Do you, do you, do you measure up? We want to know. I, I, we want to know about devious things that you've hidden that are geocaches and not like ethically <laughs> dubious or illegal. Before this episode, I would not have guessed there were 15,000 geocaches in the world. I would not yeah, have guessed that. Yeah, I wouldn't have either. The and geocache beneath my floorboards keeps me awake at night. <laughs> I, I, I probably would have guessed in the hundreds of thousands. Uh, uh, Mike, is oh, there... Oh, fine. You're no, smart. Nick knows more. Is there... Well, it still is way off. Mike, is there anything uh, we should look forward to in, in 2024 from the the Minnesota uh, legislator or, or on your schedule, public or anything, private? Anything you want to plug, basically. Anything you want to, I don't know how you ask a politician anything you want to plug, but that's essentially it. Uh, I think we'll pass a good bonding bill and invest in our public infrastructure. Hell um, yes. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking next year was a bonding year. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Exciting. Um, yeah, and uh, other exciting policy bills and uh, the new flag should take effect on May 11th, which is Statehood Day. So. So hopefully we'll be hoisting the new flag over the state capitol on that day as well. Very exciting. All right, all you uh, atheist non-believers and other folks that are listening, despite not falling into those character categories, <laughs> blah, 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 uh, you can uh, find us on uh, Facebook and... Blue not Sky. R- Blue Sky. Um, we're basically anywhere you can find podcasts. We'll be there. If we're not, let us know, and we'll try to make that happen. Otherwise, you can also listen to us through a private RSS stream through Patreon for all our supporters, where you get to listen to all these episodes as they are edited. Isn't that great? It's pretty Woot. great. It's pretty great. I, I'm going to answer for you. It is great. You <laughs> whoever is edits them usually gets them up super early. I think whoever edits them is also very handsome and does a good job. <laughs> I think I bet the guy that posts them. I bet. I bet he's a pretty great guy. <laughs> I bet he's a top. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we're geeks about God, and we'll see you next week with more godless fun. Thanks, everyone. Bye. 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 Meet me at 42.3917 North by 116.5008 West. We're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks without God. We don't recognize moral authority. We don't accept divine superiority. We're geeks, geeks without God. Until next time, you can find us blogging and listen to past podcasts at geekswithoutgod.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at geekswithoutgod. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. That was way, way, way more interesting. I thought I was interested, and it was still more interesting than I thought.